Welcome to the Down of Front Podcast, the official podcast of downinfrontpodcast.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks so much for joining. If this is your first episode, we want to say we appreciate it. Thank you so, so much for everybody. We just ended our birthday month, so the Down in Front Podcast officially turned five years old, and that was amazing. So we definitely super excited to be reviewing. Uh, this movie, which is Spider-Man Far From Home, starring Tom Holland and just about everybody else is going to be in it. So we're super jam-packed to give you an in-depth review. But before we get to that, we'd like to talk about a bit of a roundtable. Uh, we also like to introduce our special guests. So as always, we're going to talk about what we've been drinking uh, and if we're going to do any other shout-outs or what else we've been watching. So I'm going to toss it over to the beautiful Ryland, of course, and say, Mr. Ryland, what's going on, man? What you been sipping on tonight and what else you got from me? How's it going this evening? Uh, yeah, our birthday is awesome. It was also America's birthday, and I'm feeling very patriotic. Team USA winning the World Cup, which is awesome. Hell yeah. And so straight out of the University of Florida, I'm drinking some nice, cool Gatorade. So I'm keeping it very American tonight. What flavor? Uh, it is fruit punch. Red. Wrong it's red. red. It's red. <laughs> What's wrong with you, fucking with you. I didn't name them. They no. did. What? They didn't name no, them. They also colors. made love bugs. So they made Gatorade and they made love bugs. Fuck them. Everybody at UF sucks. Keep going. <laughs> uh, so uh, what I've been watching recently is a TV show that definitely caught me off guard, but I think it's definitely worth watching for pretty much anybody. And it's called Hyper Hard Boiled Gourmet Report. And this move, this show is on Netflix. It's only about six episodes, all about 30 minutes long. But this is a show where they basically mix like when vice used to do their hard-boiled undercover field reporting with a japanese comedy show like a game show and just a joy of cooking and they boil blend it all together and it's like one of the most fascinating shows i've watched and the whole premise of it is that they go there this camera crew goes around the world to these places where they talk to some of the most nefarious criminals on the planet, but also people that have been disenfranchised and people like refugees that are on the run from their own countries, all for the simple purpose to find out what do they eat. And it's done in such a frank and honest way. The really cool thing I like about it is that the host of the show, he is actually just recording his reactions. He's We get to see his initial reaction to what he sees on the screen as the show plays on. So it's really cool to see what his input is while he watches the show. And all throughout, I just thought it was really a very nice, um, sobering just look at humanity as well as kind of like just unveiling the curtain on places that we usually just wonder about and actually giving us some authenticity behind it. And yeah, some of the images can be very grim and unsettling, but 
it's definitely a good reminder that in the end, no matter what walks of life people are in, all the stories are very human and every human has mutual connections. Essentially, this one's one of the most foundational ones, which is everybody's got to eat and everybody loves to eat too. And what is that motivation? So I found it to be an amazing TV show. Definitely check it out on Netflix if you can. That sounds amazing. I would definitely. Like, I wonder why some of these things doesn't like pop up for me. I don't see any of these other weird things on Netflix. Keep getting office and bad. Really. <laughs> sounds pretty dope. I'm definitely excited to check it out. Bad shows. Sounds like a pretty. Did you say show. about the office? No, he said sad shows. No, I said bad oh, okay. shows because office is <laughs> trash. Come fight me, bro. Bad shows. It is right. a bad show. <laughs> shelve it shelve it otherwise we will, we, we will so thank you Brylon it's always great to have you on and see your beautiful face I'm going to toss it over to a couple people that we haven't seen in a couple years but they still look delicious as always my best friend we grew up way back together I actually taught him how to play the car, the car. I forgot and he just better than me Mr. Blewett what's going on man uh, what you sipping on tonight and what else you got for me so, uh, speaking of sombering look of looks at humanity, uh, I saw uh, Adam Sandler's murder mystery uh, oh. a couple weeks ago. So I've had a fun week. I uh, I've been bashing through Borderlands Two, uh, which Twice. I think we talked about that last time I was on the podcast. And uh, I went to Ireland for a week, so that was that was cool. I didn't watch too much TV because I was too busy being jet lagged uh, during the midnight hours and then being hiking during the day. Um, so yeah, Adam Sandler is my culturally enriching thing that I, I you know, was doing for the last like three weeks. Um, as for what I'm drinking, I got the Infinite Galaxy Galaxy Hopped IPA. Uh, it's not great. Pipeworks Brewing <laughs> Company. The first taste kind of tastes like uh, peas, like like the green peas. Um, like the vegetable. Yeah, it, it, I, yeah, I don't know. It's the can art's cool, and I was like, I think it's a little bit of like a. I'm just disappointed with myself. I, I was standing in the liquor store for like 25 minutes trying to look for any beer that said mystery, Mysterio, like spider web, uh, vacation, like summer, you know, besides summer ale, like, you know, stuff like that. I was, I just kept on trying to look through all these things and uh, I was disappointed cause I, I couldn't quite pull it off. But in other news, uh, I go, there's a little IPA room in the back of my, my local liquor shop. And I think I've had pretty much all of them at this point. It's, it's not great. It's like I go and buy just a different four pack and I, you know, I do one of these things a week. So it's just, it's been a year of that. And it's, Oh, I think I'm out. <laughs> Dude, congratulations. That's an awesome, uh, accomplishment. Yeah. 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 My <laughs> liver doesn't think so. <laughs> there's something to be, there's something to be said for knowing what your room encounters, like, you know, it all now. Yeah, it's the only don't listen to your liver. Know it all. If your liver was any smarter, it'd be your brain. So don't listen to it. What? My brain is, is definitely he... dumber than my liver. Easily. My liver actually does something. Well, Blue, it is great to have you on. It's great to see your face. I'm very excited to get you back onto the show because we've been doing a lot of work and I'm been lazy. So uh, it's always great to have you. And I love this beard going on. A little playoff beard in the summer. Yeah. yeah. I'm growing it out for hockey season. Oh, wow. That's going to be but the Bruins lost. 80 games. Of... There's always another season. They did better than the Celtics. Yeah, yeah but 
Now you just insult both. I don't know. I, I know it's self. I, I hate it. I hate it. Let's go taco. Depression beard. Let's go taco fall. Well, uh, on his right <laughs> is this delicious morsel that I thought was in France, but now actually has come to bless us with his presence. My goodness, this dude's been working out and looks amazing. The marvelous Mocha. Mocha Mike, what's going on, man? Great to have you back. Our used to be resident Marvel fanboy, but I don't think we're no longer that. <laughs> hmm. So first of all, my title is resident Marvel scholar. Uh, and secondly, I'm still that. You can't take it away from me. I have tenure. Uh, <laughs> I think like you do. Tear up that union card. Did we describe the tenure yeah. terms? Uh, we'll save that for our last call. But uh, <laughs> what's up, everybody? It is good to be back after a very brief hiatus due to uh, various crises within my life. Uh, thanks for that warm welcome, Horn. Appreciate it. I feel the love. Uh, but yeah. As for to what I've been watching, what I've been drinking, um, well, I've been watching, uh, or I recently watched the movie Attack the Block for the first time, thanks to one Ian Scott Hallen. He introduced it to me. I somehow had let that movie get past my radar, despite having heard nothing but good things about it, um, without seeing it all this time. And I finally got around to it, and man, was I pleased by it. It was super funny. The characters were great. Uh, the story was cool. The aliens were cool. It was just a really good movie, and I was surprised by it. But, um, but yeah, so shout out to, to Ian for putting that in front of me. And as for what I'm drinking tonight, I too, not unlike Blewett, spent way too much time in the local brewery kind of trying to find something. And what I came upon was this uh, beer by Radiant Pig Craft Beers. It's called Own the Night. And as soon as I saw it, all I could think of was Own the Night Monkey. So that's going to be my drink tonight. Nice. So, Rocket Raccoon. Nice. <laughs> what? Rocket Raccoon. There is a raccoon on it, and I was debating as to whether or not I should save this for Guardians 3, but Lord knows when that's coming out, and I'm sure there'll be some golden ale I can get to represent Adam Warlock then, so yeah, I, it's uh, also Night Monkey tonight. I almost got that. with a radiated pig, so. Yeah. That's true. I almost Spider got pig. that, but I got that like two weeks ago. It's delicious, dude. Oh, yeah? Spoiler yeah, alert. Yeah, Gosh, I really like it. Him. I can't wait to, uh, to savor the flavor as I talk about this incredible movie. Uh, that also left me feeling very good. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's what I've been watching. That's what I am drinking. And I am super glad to be here to talk about Spider-Man. Well, as always, it's great to have you on, especially. I feel like you didn't give Attack the Block the justice that it deserves, but it's okay. I know you're trying to not let people know. You definitely go check out that movie. John Boyega's in that movie. Like The, the, the actual cast is like a lot of fun. I think that movie for sure seen a lot more. Absolutely. So, I'm going to toss it over to one of my best friends. I think we get along pretty well. We have our very special guest, super excited. One of the, (laughs) yeah, it is. One of the uh, members of Actor Observer. Dude's pretty dope. Probably, I'd say, the best guitarist right now on this podcast, but hands down. I'm going to toss it over to the beautiful. He's not wrong. Blue it, blue it, can do sweeps, I can't. I don't know what sweeps Yeah, but sweeps Kyle, don't get chicks. That's true, but you have Not to do what? It's all about power <laughs> chords. <laughs> so, Three power chords. Together. We're just all about self-deprecating today, aren't we? Kyle Anyways, Kowalski, uh, what's going on, man? Great to have you back <laughs> on the actual show, especially for Spider-Man. We know that you are a Marvel fanboy. Yeah. Arguably, you could be the new 
Marvel resident Marvel scholar on this podcast. Is that true, oh, Briley? Please, no. Nah. I mean, anybody, I I have no problem with anybody naming themselves a Marvel scholar here. I will always be Uatu, so it doesn't matter. That I don't know. That the next best person to secede me will be Abbott. Maybe oh, Brylan, if he can beat him in a fist fight. That was the most <laughs> disgust I've ever heard Brylan use. Uh, oh, please. Like that. Oh, that was great. <laughs> That's that gentle right. Southern shaming right there. Going back to our I, special guest, because everybody else is going to shut the hell up. Hold on, man. What you sipping on? Where have you been at? You guys have been playing a lot of dope shows. So we want to know you've been playing some music and where we can find that out. And what else you got going for you tonight? First and foremost, I will concede Marvel knowledge to Bryland and any other, as well as Abbott. Uh, yeah, no, I'm a big fan. However, I am not like the authority on this at all. However, I do love seeing these Marvel movies and I do love being a part of any episodes that come on. Uh, I've been all over. Uh, recently, as of like three weeks ago, I did a tour with Actor Observer where a band from New Haven, Connecticut, through Nashville, uh, in the, amongst that hitting Long Island, uh, New Jersey, uh, Baltimore, as well as Charlotte, and then new, then we hit Nashville, uh, Kansas City, Des Moines, Iowa, which is I can guarantee you is a place in the country. Uh, other than that, <laughs> wow. What about Copenhagen? Oh, <laughs> you know, we have that. And then we made our way back to Chicago, uh, several places in Michigan. Actually, no, we hit Kalamazoo, Michigan, which is a wonderful place. Butte, as Montana. well as the home of the. <laughs> I haven't made that far west, uh, right. but Kalamazoo, Michigan is a wonderful place and the home of the Bells Brewery, which is a wonderful place. Uh, then we hit Ohio for several dates, uh, including Cincinnati, Dayton, and Illyria, which is right outside Cleveland. And then we finished the tour in Albany, New York, and it was wonderful. Nice. Uh, I do love touring, and I did fall deeply in love with the cities of Nashville and Chicago specifically. I want to give a good shout out to Warren for putting us up and treating us really well in Chicago. We got to stay in a hotel and that's only because of Warren's uh, accommodations. Uh, I won't say the means I won't throw them under any bus, but he was very kind to us and we were able to have a good, good night. What? The last time I'll do anything nice for you. <laughs> oh my gosh. I didn't this say man the was means. nice to us. He I didn't say the, the means. I didn't. I didn't name the company. I didn't. I didn't say anything else other than Warren gave us a good home to sleep in in Chicago, and there's nothing like being able to sit in a 27th floor hot tub while you're on tour. I didn't okay. even get a chance to go up. So there. I guess you paid a high price for this hotel. I didn't pay uh, accommodation. <laughs> I. I mean, personally, nothing showed up on our pay stub, but, you know, and that's why I'm saying, I was like, you know, through whatever means, no one knows how this money or this hotel happened. <laughs> what do you it's mean? Dude, the podcast money. game, man, we're rolling in it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's this podcast money. Thank you to Down in Front <laughs> for paying for both of us to have this good life. 
Um, in any case, what I'm sipping on, uh, I'm embracing the summer of White Claw, and I'm drinking a spiked seltzer. Right now, it's ruby red grapefruit. I'm enjoying it thoroughly. But I've also been treated to a few drinks via friends of the podcast, Jeffrey and Dal Mahoney, tonight before I came home. Uh, regardless, I'm enjoying these, and I'm ready to get this talk started. I've been trying to find White Claw around here uh for a while now and i still haven't been able to locate a place that has it i'm jealous every time i see you snap it is it not like readily available around like the new york area i mean maybe i'm looking in the wrong places but no i haven't i haven't seen it in any bodega i've gone to some craft beer stores i need to find some like middle ground like it's, the penn station cv uh Dwayne reed or something like that i don't get why people honestly <laughs> i mean like in, it is straight up a white people thing um <laughs> Like it, it's so fucking basic, and like spike seltzers have become a thing. But White Claw actually does it best flavor wise. Like, there's a bunch of knockoffs. I've tried them all; they all suck. And White Claw sucks the least. I wish that that was White Claw's <laughs> slogan. Not White Claw sucks the least, but White Claw. <laughs> it's a white people thing. Yeah, for sure. White. Oh, oh, entirely, <laughs> entirely. Like, I, I'm not hiding. Like, there, there is no like. Oh, you know, no, I'm doing. Like the classy thing was like, I don't know, I've tried all these terrible fucking seltzers, and this one is the only one that's actually like stomachable. Try refreshing white power claw. Oh, wow. I knew that was going to go there. I knew it. it what, what time are we at? <laughs> I've been, I, I don't know. I, I, was, I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. Boca was waiting, waiting for the perfect. Yeah. Ah. I did, I, I, it was going to be Yo. Loco or Warren. I was ready for it. Did we talk about Kyle's new uh, hashtag? <laughs> we yeah. haven't yet, actually. Oh, oh no. That's yeah. Warren's hashtag. You on that one. You came up with the is final Is this going to be new for me? I don't uh, think I've heard this. Well, Kyle, it's great to have you on. We're super excited to get you. <laughs> Hold on. We'll tweet you later. Yeah. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter if you want to see the new hashtag for Kyle. My name is Warren. I will be the host this evening with all these rascals. Uh, I am currently sipping on a nice summer ale uh, that uh unfortunately cj left at my house so thanks cj i appreciate it for uh providing me with some error and what i have been actually listening to is a new podcast that really focuses on a lot of the lore and the history of marvel movies and oddly enough it is from cj cuthbert Thomas' friend podcast called marveling which is you can find it on itunes store for right now and it's actually pretty dope they, uh, I think they only have about maybe three episodes. They kind of, they have an introduction episode that talks about how they're going to be sort of structuring the podcast, going into their thoughts. They talk about like spoilers and stuff like that, but they're actually re- rewatching the podcast in, I believe, chronological order, sort of. And so their first intro was a kind of introduction, and now I'm on the Captain America podcast, which is pretty cool because now they're actually putting in information that happened from Endgame and even the Spider-Man. So. It's definitely a really cool experience. Definitely a really cool podcast. We'll make sure that we can put their link in the show notes. And hopefully we can have some weird sort of branch off of they can be on the show. We can have a conversation. So I'm definitely been trying to kind of uh, branch out and read some more books and listen to other different podcasts. I just watch so we, uh, I, we appreciate that. It's definitely a cool podcast. And I think it's under an hour, an hour and 10 minutes. So definitely a quick uh, listen. So check it out. That's called Marveling. That's on iTunes Store right now. 
And with that, we are going to move into our spoiler section. So we would say if you have not seen Spider-Man Far From Home, what's wrong with you? Come on. Go watch it. It's actually a really cool, entertaining movie, especially because it does a lot of things. We talk about this before in other movies. It does a lot of stuff that we haven't quite seen. So this is going to be directed by John Watts. Uh, we have a couple different writers on here, and probably and arguably the best Spider-Man we've seen before with Tom Holland. Definitely go check this out. We will be back for a full spoiler edition of Spider-Man Far From Home. the data front podcast thanks so much for tuning in we are in our spoiler section for spider-man far from home i'm going to read off the imdb um, little sort of snippet that they give us what we usually do is that we go uh, go and try to chop it up between characters and story and tonight we're actually going to talk about the after credit there's a lot of stuff that we need to talk about from what it gives us and i believe it gives us two and then we also going to talk about the MCU, sort of some future speculation, especially this being the ending of phase and where this goes from here. Um, so I'm going to read the IMDb, and then I'm going to toss it over to Bryland to get us started. Following the events of Avengers Endgame, Spider-Man must step up to take on new threats in a world that has changed forever, which I think is great. It's so definitely not really spoilery um, for this. Um, Directed by John Watson, so we talked about uh, you know all the returning characters from Spider-Man, Tom Holland, Sam Jackson comes back. We have a new character with Jake Gyllenhaal, Marissa Tomei, and John Favreau comes back, and Zendaya also comes back too as MJ. So, Rylan, talk to us about the characters in the story of Spider-Man: Far From Home. I, I for one, have to say I am, um, I guess, impressed or amazed by your pronunciation of those names. <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> they're not difficult. <laughs> no, no, no. I've just never heard half of those names pronounced like that. so. That's the interesting because they're correct. <laughs> Can we just focus on this Avengers movie? <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so Spider Man Far From Home. Oh man, where do I start with this? First off, I'm just gonna say to me, this movie just feels like one of those classic spider-man comic books it is the best one of the best spider-man stories ever told and a lot of it has to do with just the things that they have spider-man uh actually the way spider-man behaves in this movie i mean especially like uh how tom holland he's amazing in this movie um he probably is the best peter parker spider-man that's been on film live action to this state. Um, he has this quirkiness about him. It's cool that he's still a high school kid. And even though he has this quirkiness about him, you actually feel his journey through this movie. And it's still connected to that movie of Spider-Man homecoming and everything that happened through the Avengers with infinity war and Endgame. 
and it's like he never loses beat on what this character is all about. And he's fantastic to watch, even in like the most like serious dramatic moments or romantic moments with him and MJ, or just him being Spider-Man and just fighting Mysterio. It all feels like a very cool Spider-Man comic book that I would watch a million times over. And the cool thing about it is that when it gets to um, Spider-Man... And his whole goal of this is, or the whole purpose of this is like, what does he do with his life now that he's resurrected and he's still in high school because of the five-year blip and everything? How does he actually uh, continue in his life as Spider-Man? What does that mean to be Spider-Man now? And with Nick Fury throwing the uh, wrench into the machine saying like, hey, you're Spider-Man, but... Also, you're an Avenger and you have responsibilities to uh, deal with not only what's New York's issues but or uh, Queen's issues, but also the world's issues. And that is awesome how they pull it off where there are some uh, really cool moments. That whole um, build up with, uh, between Spider-Man, the relationship, even though it's built up really quick between Spider-Man and uh, Quentin, a.k.a. Mysterio is done fantastically well. Like that bar scene that has Tom and uh, Tom, Peter and uh, Quentin sitting there and just talking about like, what do you want, Peter? It's like, I just want to talk to this girl and stuff. And it's really cool that he's very honest about like who he wants to be right now in his life. And his whole choice between what Tony Stark leaves him with the glasses and Edith and up to the point where he has to decide, okay, I, I'm not here to be Iron Man. I'm here to be Spider-Man and what that means. When he even gets his own Tony Stark moment of designing his own suit, every single moment of him being Spider-Man is incredible. And I loved every second of it. A couple things. So I actually don't think we've seen the traditional Spider-Man yet, uh, except for the little tag at the end. Which I actually really love that we've gotten a movie that is taking place or the first one takes place in the suburbs, you know, a decent amount. And then this one takes place in Europe. And we really haven't gotten the true like Spider-Man in downtown Manhattan swinging through fighting, you know, the high flyers like Doc Ock and and, uh, Green Goblin. And I actually love that because it's forced us to live with Peter Parker, the person first, then get to know. It really feels like. When Tony Stark plucked him out, he'd been Spider-Man for six months and has no idea how to actually do the stuff that we've grown accustomed to. Um, well, that's actually that's actually one of the things that I love most about how Sony is handling or how uh, the Sony film being uh, directed by or produced by Marvel is being handled is that they're giving us such a slow burn on the development of Peter into yeah. a hero. Yeah. Like he's 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 a person. He has a person with powers. He's a super person. But like we're seeing him learn and develop into a hero in a way that's really cool. And with a, with a pace that we don't get to see from any of the other superhero movies, because A, the audience already, already knows where, what Spider-Man is going to be. So uh, it's not like there's a rush to get there. And B, we get to couch all of it in this like layered narrative of the other superheroes who've been doing their thing already. And it's but, just this really, it's like the, one of the smartest ways of approaching this character I think anybody has conceived of outside of the comics. There's no need to get him to vintage Spider-Man because like people just know who that character is. 
Which is, yeah. I think, what we all were screaming about during Batman versus Superman, where it's like, dude, we know who Batman is. Just give me, give me something different. Like Batman Begins, you know, give me like a not quite Batman, Batman. Um, I do wish that like they hammered home on two things, though. Um, I think that they could have shown him being a little smarter. Like the first, the first movie and Civil War, uh, they had him inventing the the web fluid. They show him kind of handling class and being, you know, passing student while being a genius on the side, you know. Uh, and I think they could have gone with that a little bit more. And also, Brian, did you? Brought, I didn't originally write this down, but like, uh, I almost feel like they should have had a moment where he tries to be Tony Stark and then fails and then gives up the glasses. Like, he doesn't really have that, like, I am Iron Man moment, uh, partially because I think they took him out of New York so quickly. Uh, but it would have been nice to see where they build that up, have him fail, and then have him come back as Spider-Man, which I think they kind of did where he, like, builds his own suit um, and everything. But it would have been nicer to, to really drive that, that home that comparison that, like, Tony Stark did not leave this to Pepper Potts. He did not leave this to Rhodey. He didn't leave it to Bruce Banner. He left it to a 16-year-old kid that he met six months ago. Well, this, but, uh, this is the moment where, uh, I mean, I think that he does have, like, that mess-up moment with Edith, especially when he's trying to kill... Well, he's, he wasn't trying to kill Randy, but he it eventually got out of his hand, just like when he hacked the suit in the first uh, in Homecoming, is that his whole motivations is very much the veil of a teenager and so when he does try to tonify things with the glasses i mean it does go pretty wrong and awkward for him as well and i love that like we're not in new york in the middle of manhattan him fighting every single me too superhero i, I, I don't know if that came out I, the wrong way but i do i do love that you do like set. that oh right. yeah sorry i don't know if that came out differently <laughs> but like yeah it's it's amazing seeing him in other places and not being the traditional spider-man yeah, and this is like how I spend my summer vacation, Spider-Man, yeah. which mm-hmm. I think is really awesome take on it. I thought you were just and flexing on us for a second uh, and be like, I spent my summer vacation like every year you went to Europe. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> like, not every year, but <laughs> every once. This is like a pretty basic summer vacation. <laughs> I mean, I, I know some people where that is their basic summer vacation. But anyways, um, I mean, the cool thing about it is like, I walked into this movie theater and the credits start showing and they start playing. I will always love you. And I'm at first I'm concerned. I'm like, Oh shit, what's going on here. And then when they open it to where it's Betty Brandt and that other guy giving the news, I'm like, this is perfect. This is the perfect tone of Spider-Man and capturing a comic book feel and comic book characters, but also through the whole time making you care for those characters at the same time. And I love how they actually introduced this movie, uh, even though it caught me way off guard at first. And I was along with that ride for the whole time. I'm all about any movie that starts with Whitney Houston. And I think I sat there and said, more movies need to start with Whitney Houston's song, because that was absolutely like phenomenal. Uh, just to go back on like sort of a point that you guys are making, because I think by far Tom Holland, unfortunately, and you know, not saying that unfortunately Tom Holland's not a great actor, but Unfortunately, we got through a lot of trash acting, and we're still trying to forget the Andrew Garfield and the, I was going to call him Toby Keith, 
<laughs> what are you trying to forget? I never no. saw those movies. Those movies didn't exist. Yeah, no but one saw but, those but movies. They, but they do exist. There's a reason why that – there's a reason they are not making this movie about fighting in New York is because they already made five movies about that. And it's frustrating because we would, like, we would love to see the villains, but people still remember them. I'm glad they're not doing it. I, I agree with you there. Uh, I'm glad they're not doing it because we know the story. There has been a million video games, like uh, uh, so many different things that we've seen in that area. I at least wanted to see, and I agree with you, Blewett. I think they did mention, and I love the, it wasn't even a subtle nod. It was like a definite, oh, hey, into the Spider-Verse. Are we going to talk about like alternate dimensions? And that was actually pretty cool. And the only person that got it talking about interdimensional travel and things like that was Spider-Man. And everybody else in the room was like, I have no idea. And the line that Mysterio kind of gives him was, uh, never be... Uh, never apologize never be, for being the smartest never, guy in the room. Yes. Yeah. And I think we actually heard that line previously in the Marvel movies. I got to I gotta make sure who said it. But I love the fact that there are, they are at least acknowledging um, what Tony kind of saw in him. Now, granted, a lot of stuff that Tony saw in him is kind of sort of off screen, but we get some movies, but not a lot of why he's entrusting him with Edith, not anybody else. But I think they're still starting to kind of understand that this dude is this for real. And he has he means, um, you know, he, he probably is going to be one of the best of us. So I at least like that they did put in some information that he is like really smart, like smarter than like much a lot of other people there. Um, I thought it was kind of strange and interesting. I know we'll talk a little bit about Mysterio. I thought it was interesting is that it looked like it was kind of a battle between who's smarter. And that line that Mysterio gives him, later on we find out that he was just gassing him up because Mysterio thought that he was smarter than him at the time. So we'll see. Yeah, I think it's definitely a very difference between smart and clever and um, just also subterfuge a lot and a lot of things about fake news in this too. But um, let's get into Mysterio. Jake Gyllenhaal, Quentin Beck. Mm. Well, Uh, I thought they found an amazing... (laughs) He's a handsome guy. Yes. (laughs) Has a beard that's just maybe just as good as Chris Evans' beard. Who knows? You're not wrong there. It gets very close. Um, But but when it comes to Mysterio, wow. uh, In the Spider-Man movies that they've had recently, they've done some amazing casting for the villains. Um, that uh, Michael Keaton was amazing for the Vulture. And the way they did the Vulture made sense, where they had this uh, con- head of a construction crew be wronged by uh, systems of government that took away a potential payday for them uh, because it was alien technology they were dealing with. And they felt like they had to go for a more criminal life. Um, and we get kind of the same thing here. And I love that they doubled down on that, that even though Tony Stark did the most heroic thing possible in the universe and got rid of Thanos out of existence for this, uh, world and everything that there's still be people out there that will not agree with Tony Stark's ideals even after he gave up weapons manufacturing focused on arc technology focused on all these clean energy pr- protocols and using technology to kind of relive past traumas to make them uh make yourself better that 
in the end, even after he's passed away, there are people that will still criticize Tony Stark for what he did because they felt like their technology was made a joke out of or that uh, the person that was put it that was put in charge by Tony Stark yelled at him because he couldn't replicate what Tony did in a cave with a box of scraps. I the way they set this up and everything is amazing for Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio and Quentin Beck that I love that we see the Mysterio costume from the comics and it looks badass. I think Flash's description of it looks like a mix between Thor and Iron Man. That was like the perfect vision for what Mysterio is and seeing the bubblehead just pop up and pop off at any moment was awesome. His powers yeah, they're definitely still stay a mystery, but shooting green stuff out of his hands and flying around looks really cool when he does it. And I love when we do see the reveal of who Mysterio really is, that he is a crew of disgruntled workers that are actually using these drones to actually kind of create these uh, create these uh, tragic events to build a hero and show that the world doesn't need the Avengers and doesn't need spider-man in this matter is uh is amazing and it's very smart and brilliant way of actually uh taking a character that could be really silly and goofy and translating it to more of a realistic world and to think that at the end his costume is basically a motion capture suit and a heads-up display to control the drones that's a really cool way of just actually making the mysterio costume become more of a real life thing. And I thought every single piece of that is fantastic. Plus we get two sides of Jake Gyllenhaal here. We get this very professional, like debonair guy that makes up this story that he's from an alternate dimension and, um, and that he was a space cop or a cop on his planet, essentially to take down uh, these otherworldly beings. And, we see that, and then all of a sudden, he can just flip it on a dime and become like this maniacal, like just super disgruntled person that is just—he's become super obsessed with this failure that he, this failure that he sees in him uh, of what Tony did to his technology, and so he just is looking for payback in any way, anyhow. And Jake Gyllenhaal does that amazingly well in this movie and becomes. One of the best MCU villains because of that. Um, now, I want Mocha to spend a lot more time on this because I know he's got a lot to say about this too. He's got I mean, four words to say. Jake Gyllenhaal is hot. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I've got a whole lot more than four words to say about that subject. Um, but no, Jericho looks good. Oh man, hey, <laughs> hasn't aged a day. Um, but anyway, so yeah, Brian, to go off of what you said, you know. One of the most remarkable things I think about what Kevin Feige has done with the direction of this Spider-Man movie, and not just Kevin Feige, but also the entire creative team uh, over there, is continually taking characters that have no business being badass on film and making them like into really cool modern versions of, while still maintaining so much of the core of what they were from the comics. Uh, there's really no reason why why Mysterio uh, should have been cool on film. Not not nowadays, you know. Um, but still, they managed to pull it off, and like I, I'm fully with you. Like it's such a badass version of the character. I love the fact that his non-holographic suit 
made him effectively look like a Metal Gear Solid uh, like mini boss. <laughs> yes. He was like, yeah, with these like drones floating behind him, just standing there with the heads up display and the camo like outfit. It was just so cool. Um, I absolutely loved what he, what he did with the role. Like you said, Brylin, like Jake Gyllenhaal's acting prowess is something that I didn't really appreciate for its depth for like a, a while, despite seeing a lot of movies with him. And he is just like fantastic. He is really good at uh, just delivering. Um, and I think that like the fact that he, I think he will hold a special place in the greater Spider-Man canon as the MCU proceeds, being the first villain that, while not directly killed by Spider-Man, died as a result of Spider-Man trying to stop him. Like that's going to be that. I think that that alone is going to be have a really big impact on Peter while he deals with the fallout of him getting the last laugh at the end and launching this like anti-media campaign in his death just to fuck with them after after death. And I, I also like. I don't think he's dead. Straight uh, up, just do not think he's dead. Ooh, interesting. That would make me really happy if they if they brought him back for the Sinister Six. But I'm also fine if he dies because, like I mentioned, that's like it's a milestone for Peter's character yeah. or like, Ralphie I, I, from, uh, I like from a Christmas story becomes Mysterio. Oh, hell yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> I, I, I like him. I like him being dead though, because I think the stakes has kind of progressed that way. And especially in the story, we see that, to, uh, not Tony, we see that um, Spider-Man and Peter has to deal with a lot of real responsibility of depending on like growing up and being responsible and being the Avenger, much like Rilo had been talking about. So, there's going to be things and scenarios in which people die from your actions, whether you want to or not. I think this is the first time that he saw it. It got close in homecoming, especially with the, uh, the, uh, the store clerk, uh, his like next door neighbor that was kind of giving him shit here and there. They kind of got close and now somebody actually died sort of because of him. So I, I, I would like to see him dead. I really hope they don't kind of bring him back because it feels like that, that was a really cool character. Um, yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, another thing about Mysterio that I thought was really, really well, well executed and really subtly done was that, like, obviously, his character is supposed to be in a way a foil to Tony. Um, Peter sees him as, uh, like, sees Tony's ghost in him. Uh, sees somebody that he that looks a little similar to Tony. He has the beard. He has a really charming, relaxed demeanor. He takes on like a mentorship role. Peter sees him as being super intelligent, which was something that he attributed to uh, to Tony all these things. But what we get in the reveal of him being the villain is we get to see the, the exact opposite of what Tony was, but still like, he's still very Tony in the, in the way he goes about as a character. Um, you know, Tony Stark relied on like, so they were both uh, geniuses, obviously, but Tony Stark relied on his genius to put himself in a position where until the last minute, like he didn't need anybody. It was always him trying to save the world and him trying to do everything for everyone else. Whereas with Quentin Beck, his genius is, is supported entirely by pulling people in around him and causing those people to lift him up. Um, obviously, the difference between him being like sinister and not sinister, but what I really liked a lot that I thought was a nice touch was the fact that the gift that Tony gives Peter is, a, is an augmented reality artificial intelligence called Edith. Edith stands for even dead, I'm the hero, which was a hilarious like, <laughs> joke. And I thought just like really good writing for Tony's character. But you also get the opposite side of that too with Quentin Beth. <coughs> because even in death, he's the hero, but it's in such a sinister way. And it's this yep. really, really cool, like they're a really cool mirror reflection of each other, despite being like pretty different overall. And I thought it was just masterfully done uh, by, uh, by the team there. Well, so it's, I think it's interesting that you bring up a good point, the p- parallels between these. Um, 
honestly, I, I feel like they have a team of writers that they just say, pick a scene, any scene from one of the original movies, and then write a movie about that scene. You know, what is the aftermath of that? And so, you know, in Homecoming, you know, the end of the Avengers battle. All right, what's the next thing that happens? Cleanup. All right, well, cool. Then take the cleanup crew and then make that happen. In this one, we have Barf being such an important aspect on how it spins off into the whole Mysterio persona. Like, it's it's fascinating to see where these callbacks come up. And I don't think we've ever seen anything like this where they literally brought someone back from the first movie that was a self-contained Iron Man movie. And they brought that person back. And did anyone catch the end of that where he uh, grabbed the flash key? Yeah. Where it said, it said 100 items downloaded, you know, and then he ejected it. And that's the last you see of him. Uh, mm-hmm. I hope it's not like Ant-Man 1 where they, you know, the, uh, the Hydra buyer gets away in the end. And who cares? We're never going to hear from that guy again. Um, but it is definitely very interesting. The stuff they just kind of like leave on purpose open so that they could just fold it back later. So let's oh, talk man. about these uh, side characters, because I know we definitely <laughs> want to talk a little bit about Happy. We want to talk about MJ. I thought that Nell, Ned was a little bit shelved in the actual movie. So what do you guys talk about some of these kind of side characters and how they sort of stepped a little bit more into their role and got a little bit more time to shine? Um, I'll start off by just saying I'm gonna leave a lot of the side characters open for everybody else. Um, but I thought everybody from MJ, Ned, Flash, Betty, that kid that does the news with Betty, they're they're all great in their characters and their roles, and their relationships just feel real uh and honest and authentic. Uh, even though they're very silly. I mean, Betty and Ned's relationship, summer relationship that they have that they start on the plane and end on the plane coming home uh i'm sure that happens a lot on these type of trips but uh i i enjoyed every moment of it i thought it was a great type of uh humor to add to the movie and i i'm just jealous of these kids because they get teachers like martin Starr and jb smooth to actually hang out with and i wish i had teachers as cool as that when i was in high school and animal well. birds if we're gonna like go with the documentary <laughs> animal birds is Yo, also there got to hang out with Trump. i'm pretty sure he's a war criminal but whatever <laughs> we have to show this according to the government <laughs> Brand, I but think uh ultimately oh go ahead i was gonna say I, I think they they do a nice job with the slow burn again like talking about this where uh this is definitely like homecoming was definitely a ned movie as like the feature best friend type thing and this movie was more of an mj film but yeah. I feel like we still haven't gotten yeah. like Mary Jane the love interest. Like we got it a little bit at the end. We got the kiss, right? We got the first kiss. We got the first swing through New York, and like that end was super cool. It we'll talk about that in a little in a little bit. But that was such a tease of what's going to come next. Um, but like, I think they do a nice job of filtering through and slowly introducing these people uh, because I I don't think we've quite got. Mary Jane Watson, you know, the the character that we know from the comic books, we've just gotten like a very good supporting cast. And I do love that they made her this weird, weird person like that speaks to me as on a like a human level of just some bizarre chick. Yeah, I like that. I mean, they're they're playing around with the um, with the archetypes that we are up to an age where the. The one true Spider-Man is different for everybody, no matter 
what if they're reading them in a comic for the first time or the first time exposed to Spider-Man is playing a video game or listening to an audiobook or seeing one of these movies that there's enough room with the character of Spider-Man that one everybody can relate to him on some level whether it's because of high school uh drama that you had before or uh young adulthood and trying to be someone to rent an apartment in a very expensive city and make ends meet and doing odd jobs there's a spider-man for everybody which i think is really cool um but i i'm gonna let a lot of y'all talk about more of the side characters but one last side character i want to talk about is i love happy hogan in this movie uh he continues the year of the chunky boys winning everything he got down with Aunt May. <laughs> that is amazing. But also on top of that, Happy continues. I found that he's become one of my favorite MCU supporting characters just yeah. because he's become this, this interesting role of the caretaker of the Iron Man legacy, which I think is really cool. Yeah, that uh, Pepper is going to be running Stark Industries up until whenever. And uh, she, I mean, she's definitely going to be the one that has to take care of Morgan. I'm sure that Happy will check in and help with duties of raising Morgan as well. But when it comes to Iron Man and where does Iron Man go, it seems to you have to go through Happy for that. And it makes sense that you have to go through Happy. And it seems like he's the most unexpected person to actually be this caretaker of what is my Iron Man or who should be Iron Man next? And I think that's really cool that Happy's relationship with Peter has become kind of like, all right, I can't be the same mentor as Tony was to you, but I'm going to do my best and at least give you the resources you need to do your job. And I really like that relationship that was built between Happy and Peter in this movie as well. And I, I'm hoping that one day in some movie or whatever that when Peter feels like he's established and doing his own thing and everything, do we, if we do see a young adult Peter Parker, that's kind of able to own his own world nowadays that happy starts looking around and says, all right, who can be the next Iron Man or put on the suit that Tony once wore and look around for that person next. I think it's cool to see, their relationship just grow because we've now seen happy. We've seen happy in a lot of movies total, right? But now we've seen happy being in this particular sort of role where he was just super annoyed by this teenage kid. And it seems as though at the end of homecoming, they had this bond of, Hey man, thanks. I I really appreciate it. You saved my ass for you kind of just, you, you knew what was right. I ignored you because I thought you were a teenager. Thank you. To now where this huge event happened with Endgame of Tony dies and Happy has now stepped in as a father, not a father figure, but almost like having that moment in Endgame talking to Morgan about your dad also like cheeseburgers. I love that line. To now in this movie mm-hmm. being that sort of support for Peter, that, that sort of male positive sort of role model for Peter that's kind of older that knew Tony and kind of he even broke it down saying that you're something like you're not gonna you don't need to be Iron Man to be you I love that message in this movie I love the fact that we have now seen their relationship grow to movie movie between Happy and Peter which I had 
no idea, right? I, 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 if we would have watched any of the other movies, I would not have looked at, oh, Happy and Peter? That doesn't make sense to me. So I like the fact that they actually kind of did that. They put time in the movie just to play the song that was in Iron Man 1 that Tony was playing when he was constructing <laughs> his suit, right? Like, these are the I things love that, that, that I love it. Yeah, yeah, right? And it's like, <laughs> that movie was, what, 11? Maybe 11 years ago? Now yeah, they literally reference. They can literally reference a movie from 11 years ago. It's mind-blowing. Not only when it references, we're in a Spider-Man movie now from the Iron Man technology that Happy is going constructing. I think it's it's crazy deep, right? But I, I but it also shows so much character growth with both of those characters too. So I I really I really really enjoy Happy being in this movie, also having fun with May. May just looking fine as always. I I love how they're giving them more to do, but not actually having to say it. Like there was so much stuff that they showed us into the film, and I think we talked about this a lot. Don't tell us, show us what you mean. And we see that their their playful sort of relationship that clearly is happening, but maybe not so much, and how Peter is slowly moving onto it. So I thought that was actually kind of really great, just to get more character development at the same time as we're seeing what's happening with Peter as he comes to his own of being this hero by himself, not trying to be the new Iron Man, but being his own Spider Man. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So a couple of things on that. First of all, uh, Bryland. Uh, Happy Kogan, John Favreau is like that is a meta reference because yeah. John Favreau is the embodiment of Iron Man. He's the person who started the whole MCU, and so it is literally a meta reference for him to be carrying on the gauntlet of Iron Man through the ages. Um, yeah. I did. I, I choked up honestly a little bit when they did the Back in Black song. Uh, because that just brought me back 11 years ago when I was still a somewhat young man, um, and starting to watch these movies like for the first time, uh, Ooh, and it's no, I had one more. Oh, two more. Yeah. So first of all, I think that instead of Edith, it should have been ice because Tony Stark, I created everything literally like Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2, Homecoming, uh, Far From Home. Uh, Far From Home somewhat had a similar starting point from... I know that's politically charged now, but it, it, the acronym still works. <laughs> okay, I tried to come up with a, No, that. I know. I tried, to, I tried to come up with a better one, but like it's, it's what I got. You know, love and sublime. What, what about ISIS? Uh, yeah. <laughs> mm. Oh, man. Um, you'll lose your mind from this reference. Um... It's because they behead people. Um, and so <laughs> because he literally he and there's parallels like Aldrin Killian and Quentin Beck have very similar backstories, right? Snubbed super geniuses. Mm. Um, and he's just kind of pushing that through. Also, Iron Man 2 with uh, autonomous drones versus this, you know, titular hero. Uh, and I think if anything, they're probably going to go with the, some subplot from Civil War. Uh, I'll get to this later, but like Civil War in Spider-Man 3, whatever. Um, the one last point I wanted to leave with, and this goes back to the side characters, is I wish May didn't know. I loved the reveal. I thought that was a great last moment of Homecoming, and then they flashed to the, the Ramones. Uh, I just think, 
Like, Marissa Tomei did a great job with it. She's this bubbly little ant that everyone wishes they had, and I wish I didn't, because that'd be weird, you know? Yeah, like, you're just getting mad weird here, bro. No, 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 no. she's She'll just make like, your Peter tingle. Dude, you just, you you want someone who, like, genuinely cares about you, right? Like, they have good enough chemistry that it actually feels like a weird parent to Peter Parker, right? <laughs> Only people can care about other people. <laughs> No, I'm sure Marissa no, Tomei no, no, could no, care no, about no, you. No, that's not what I meant by that. Um, <laughs> ugly people are. Just ask Kyle. He's a bastion of hate. Um, <laughs> Says the guy recording in the dark. <laughs> yeah, well, my mirror broke, so it's not my fault. He lives um, in a world of darkness. But I think it is one of those things that her character, in my opinion, works best when she either doesn't know. Or is helping him from the like afar. Like he doesn't know that she is looking after him. Um, I also think that it would have uh, some funnier moments because let's face it, Happy is an idiot, and so the scenes when they're all sitting together, uh, Parker having to worry about Happy blabbing the fact that he is. Spider-Man would have kind of made for some funny back and forth. Um, I think that you could have really explored like a very traumatic experience in the third movie with like all of a sudden Peter's name being linked to Spider-Man, who is an international criminal for killing some, you know, some random guy in London. Um, And Peter having to deal with a, his classmates, which at this point, the ones who know, know him and know that, you know, that whole story is false. So there won't be any conflict there. But he'd also have to deal with Aunt May and explain to her that he is not the villain and that have her have this, like, deal with a shocking revelation. I think it kind of weathers the blow where in the third one, she's going to be supporting him because she knows the truth about it. Um, I don't know. I, I would have loved to see her, like, do one. Ned in the first one, MJ in the second one. And then Aunt May has to figure it out in the third one. Well, I hear where you're coming from, Blue, and I def- I don't disagree that having Aunt May not know that he's Spider Man is a really like uh, uh, is a really cool source of tension in the other stories. But I really think that what we're driving towards, what, what they're driving towards with this uh, film series so far, is that this third movie is going to be what happens when uh, everything that's bad, uh, like Peter's greatest fears, come true, which is everything that he has to deal with comes crashing on the people that he loves and cares about. And so if that's the case, then, you know, they needed to have everybody like, know that he's Sp- Spider-Man going in, going into this next movie. Um, the, you know, the world, the city at least finds out that he's Spider-Man during the stinger. But if we didn't have that for Marissa Tomei's character going in uh, already going into the third movie, then that'd be a lot that we, a time that they have to spend fleshing out the fact that uh, the fallout from Aunt May learning that he's Sp- Spider-Man. So I actually don't mind for the pacing but, of it all but that's that they like a, did it this early. That's like an integral part of it, though. Like, I don't I don't think you'd have to spend that much time, but have him swing through the window and try and, like, console her and be like, hey, I'm not the person that you think I am based on some fake news, you know, and then have him swing away. I, I don't I don't think you'd have to devote that much time to it to get the reaction that you would need. I don't know. I think, I mean, whether or not that's true, I think that it's still, 
not having that in the third movie means that we have a lot more time for whatever else is going to be there, which I still have the mindset that it's going to be uh, a multiple villain uh, movie. Um, and I don't know. I just think that I don't mind them trimming the fat, so to speak. Uh, or at least I don't feel as strongly about the, uh, the Aunt May situation as you do in that regard. Uh, Assuming they yeah. feel that, that that's yeah. the case with something, something yeah. good. Yeah. Um, one thing I really like about Spider-Man's character, and this is kind of going uh, to, to what you were saying earlier, Blewett, about uh, legacy and about Happy and uh, Tony and their relationship with Peter, with Peter is that both of these movies so far have had this running trend of Peter isn't yet the hero that he's going to be. And so what he's doing as a child is defaulting to trying to be the hero that Tony was. And we see it manifest in different ways. In the first Spider-Man, uh, like Peter says directly to Tony, um, you know, I'm just trying to be like, be like you. And Tony says to him, I was expecting you to be better than me, uh, which is like, which is an, a revelatory moment for, for him in that movie. Um, so, so Peter was approaching it from like a hero worship mode or angle. Then in the second movie, it was less hero worship because he had already fought side by side with Tony. He knew what Tony was like in reality. And he's trying to just fill Tony's shoes. He's trying to be the Tony that everybody else uh, expects him to be, being his protege. And you get that same line, that similar line from Quentin, like don't, or from, from, oh, I mean, from happy. Uh, don't try to be Tony, just be you, be the best you that you can be. Uh, and I just like that. We keep seeing that manifest in its own way and coming into this third movie. I'm really hoping that by the end of it, after dealing with whatever the fallout is from the world, finding out who his identity, that we finally start to see Peter come into terms with who Spider-Man can be um, outside of Tony's legacy. Didn't they freaking nail that relationship in beautifully five minutes in uh, civil war <laughs> homecoming for, you know, half the movie and then the Avengers films like they, they freaking nailed. That is one of the most believable relationships for a fairly limited amount of screen time. And they killed it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's true. It's sad that you don't see it. In too many movies that dedicate an entire over two hours, and it's like I still don't get the relationship. Where mm-hmm. they be able to do it in less than half time, super effective. And it it should feel weird. Like I keep on trying mentally to like poke holes in it and be like, well, no, like he's just some random kid. Like what's? But like every single time you could think of lines of like, oh yeah, dude, he just sees like Tony sees. I feel like an idealized version of himself. Like a kid who literally grew up with nothing but his intellect. And I think that's where Tony thinks of himself instead of being this like super rich, affluent kid, you know? And I think that's why that whole line about in a cave with a box of scraps is so important because like that for Tony is a, is a huge moment of like, I am not my money, I'm my, my intelligence, um, and they flip it around with Peter Parker where he's like, well, you know, I need to, I'm just some kid. Like now I've been handed to the, the keys to the castle and like, what can I do with it? And how do I live up to the expectations of it? It's, it's a perfect foil of each other. Tony didn't even say that line, which I think was even, even more impactful. Which one? Uh, in the, in the, in the cave with a box right, of scraps. Right, right. But, but from a box of scraps? Yeah, no, Obadiah. Obadiah. No, I, mean, I, know, then, yeah, I know. I know. That's why I say that's why I like it. The fact right, that right, right. You have to say that yeah. line. Somebody else told the line that still shows how how great storytelling is necessarily made. Like, some, a character in the actual movie has to talk about his frustrations on all these other geniuses can't create what 
what that's what makes Tony so special, right? Like I think yeah. that's was even more important. I didn't even like Iron Man movie at that time. Like when that line came and everything after it was kind of a weak part in that movie. Uh, I love the movie Iron Man. Slow down. But at the time, I, I saw everybody's face, and I'm Get like, in my Rel- car right now. Relax, okay. At Came that out eleven it, years ago. Yeah, at the time when that line was said in the movie, it was becoming a weaker part of the movie. But I, oh, that's um, insane, Warren. That's like my favorite <laughs> line in the whole movie. Tony Stark built us in a cave where the boxes scrap. Uh, you're trash, Mocha, so it's okay. Yo, um, uh, I do want to talk about the uh, spider sense a little bit. What were you say? What are you saying? No, no, I was just going to throw in the fact that, um, that after Iron Man 1, even during Iron Man 1, Tony, like, when Tony comes to his realization about being a better human, every single thing that follows Tony for the rest of his time in the MCU is about uh, his legacy and how no matter what he does, it's a legacy of darkness and that, where that caused a lot of pain and all that pain is coming back to him. And I just love the fact that even in death, uh, all those things are still out there. Like you talked about earlier, Warren, like how can people still had these feelings towards him when he saved the world, but it's just because he fucked over a lot of people. And I love that for Iron Man 2, or 1, 2, 3, the Avengers movies <laughs> with Thanos. Like, all of it is about his hubris coming back to him, even to the point where it's affecting Peter now. And I think that's, that's a really cool way to continue that character's momentum, um, despite him no longer being in the... That's universe. why Tony Stark is ice. <laughs> no. Uh, I like the fact that they, they create these characters that are in that gray area. And I think that's really what this is why i love in-game this is why i love a lot of these movies because there's nobody <laughs> even cap is never in the full either four right like he's not completely solid good i think he started that way and then cap's character itself started going more towards that middle section because that's where everybody really kind of aligns right there's going to be things that we got to do that's bad things that people do that's good right it's all built on choice the art of compromise. Yeah, well, yeah, it's a great book. <laughs> um, so I really like that. Yes, a lot of people revere and love Tony Stark, but now we get these two movies that are literal, literal representations of Tony Stark's actions have created all of these villains. We have the Vulture in Homecoming because of the cleanup that Tony Stark's team that he banded on created. And then we have all the people that really Tony Stark and his team sort of shadow on the entire time going up throughout the movie. So I think it's I think it's pretty cool that we're still kind of dealing with the blowback of losing Tony Stark, but all these things that he did is still uh, Kyle? Some of the things that are being established in this movie, though, are things we haven't seen Spider-Man deal with is the whole thing like we've seen two series started we've seen a whole trilogy of spider-man where he got his origin we got his uncle ben story we've already understood with the great power comes great responsibility we saw it again and saw it from another angle where we saw the loss of gwen stacy in the amazing spider-man one and two uh and so right now where we're exploring is mary jane like not even mary jane being the Mary Jane you think it is, being a different Mary Jane. Also, we're getting Aunt May knowing what's going on. Also, we're getting this whole idea of Spider-Man being thrown into superhero-ism, not of his own volition, but also like being thrown the technology of Tony Stark. So we're seeing it from a whole new angle, and I think that's what the MCU is like embracing. 
so like that all these new angles that everyone's like cool about i think that's the whole thing they're embracing because we've seen it we know it and that's what the mcu skipped by being like cool civil war i think i know a guy and then it just jumps to queens and tony stark seeing like here's an internship and and that's why we got him into that and then we're just throwing him into it because we don't need the origin story we don't need the regular like throws of what he's doing and so this whole idea of like yeah yeah, i may knows and then happy's there along to help out along with it and so far two movies in peter parker is not dealing with anything that peter parker has started Peter Parker is only dealing with what's created by Tony Stark. He is yet to deal with his own consequences. That's huge. And so being revealed at the first post-credits trailer by the Alex Jones-esque Jay Jonah, but also what a good cat. Like they got him back. Like there was no one else I could have So pictured. excited. So excited for that. <laughs> Fucking wonderful. Like I, 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 yeah, I, I like shook my fist (laughs) (laughs) up in the air. Just like, yes, that's exactly as we're all doing. Like it's that's perfect because Jay Jonah, like the, the spot that Spider-Man is a menace. And like, but as the craze, like, yeah, no, he can't be a print is a dying industry. Tragic as it may be. You got to embrace new media, and yeah, perfect in the Alex Jones esque craze as the PS4 version of Spider Man was. Like he has his, uh, either a podcast or like a radio show. Like he has to have his new media like form of it. But like, yeah, like we got to put Spider Man in his new element. And so far, we uh, are only placing the stepping stones to make Peter Parker his own character in his own universe with his own enemies because vulture was tony stark's enemy scorpion 50 50 spider-man did interrupt spider-man did interrupt uh but also now mysterio tony stark enemy like we have yet to peter parker has not created his own problems right now Peter Parker's still dealing dealing with Tony Stark's problems. And he's still a product of Tony Stark. And it's not a con in my mind. I think it's a perfect way to introduce him to this universe and also also introduce him because as far as I'm concerned, like Peter Parker is going to be the new Tony Stark. I believe that's why Happy like did that and why he created his own suit on the ship. And that's why Happy put on Back in Black. It's the passing of the torch, and it's perfect. And Peter Parker will grow into it. But now I want to see Peter Parker deal with the problems he's created. And him being revolved, like him being exposed, is so perfect. Because in terms of the contrast, you have Tony Stark and his hubris being like, I am Spider. (laughs) I misspoke. I am Iron Man. Like in his own hubris because he couldn't get out of his own way in that own movie. And that was perfect. That was the perfect ending. And he had to deal with that. Peter Parker is not that same kid. And he's been thrown that same problem, but not of his own volition. I am. Um, I'm glad you brought up um, J. Uh, J. Jonah Jameson. Um, and even like Matt Gargan, 
Um, I'm really actually excited in seeing what they do with those characters in the third movie because it's pretty clear that J. Jonah Jameson is going to be a bit seedier in this uh, in this iteration. You know, he's a he's clearly based off like you mentioned Alex Jones, which means he's going to be conspiratorial and probably a little bit psychotic and also doing some web show. So it's not like he is like the editor in chief of a like a nationally syndicated newspaper or whatever. But yeah, he doesn't have to preside sources for everything he thinks. Exactly. And what's interesting is uh, about the villains we've seen in Spider-Man so far is that we were introduced to Matt Gargan already, but uh, he hasn't become the Scorpion yet, as far as we can tell. And in the comic books, Matt Gargan becomes a Scorpion because of J. Jonah Jameson. He hires him to follow Spider-Man around or uh, figure out how Peter Parker is getting pictures of him. The guy fails because Spider-Man is Spider-Man. And so J. Jonah sends him to, uh, to get experimented on and it turns him crazy and makes him into the Scorpion. Um, and that makes a little less sense in the movies if it happened with somebody who was this public figure like Jonah J. Jonah Jameson, uh, editor-in-chief of a, of a newspaper. But some crazy like nut job conspiracy podcast dude like J. Jonah Jameson in this series, I could definitely see doing some shady stuff like hiring an ex-con to follow a little kid or to follow you know, a kid around the city and you know, set up some, some black market uh, enhancement situation. Uh, so I really hope that those two characters come together and we get Scorpion in that third movie as like through this relationship. That'd be mad funny I'd- if JJJ was not in the third one at all. And they just like, that was it. It was just a stinger. It was like, was shut so up upset. all you people in this Marvel subreddit. Here you go. <laughs> Nerds. I don't think it's, I don't think it's just that. I think it also, because there's two clips of Mysterio speaking in that like, first post credit scene there's the one where Mysterio, Jake Gyllenhaal is still talking about he's crazy and there's uh, Peter calling for, like it appears from that perspective he's calling for the drone strike to just kill whoever and then Gyllenhaal, Mysterio, Quentin Beck is about to say Peter Parker and it cuts goes back to the newscaster who's been in a ton of the movies before. He's been actually wonderfully represented in the MCU. Um, and then it goes back, and then it reveals that it's Peter Parker. Mm. Which gives you a realm of doubt. Like, there's two clips in that How many times have you first seen post-credit. Once. But it happens <laughs> twice. Like he's about to say Manusha. he's about to say it's it's about to be he's about to say it's Peter Parker and he doesn't and then it goes back to the newscaster and then it goes yep. to Joe Jay Jonah and then you have Quentin saying it's Peter Parker. Yep. So you have to wonder like and you you've already been mentioned there's the uh, you know the kid who's shot his eye out. Um, <laughs> Ralphie. Ralphie. Yeah, there we go. There's the reference. Yeah, Ralphie. <laughs> Ralphie. Peter Billingsley. Downloading it all to a USB <laughs> drive. And who knows what he created, what he fabricated, but like, you know, and also we discussed the whole two forms of the even dead I'm the hero form of it being one Tony Stark, one Quentin Beck. We have no idea where this is going. And we haven't even gotten to the second post-credits trailer where nothing is as it seems as this movie establishes. You have to question every level of everything because even the most obvious reveal of a comic book fan coming in and be like, Mysterio? 
No, he's not the fucking hero. He's going to be the fucking villain. Mysterio in no way has ever been the hero. And you knew that. But even when you walk into the movie, it's one. It's wonderfully done. Because even then, I, even knowing that, I bought in to Jack Gyllenhaal being a decent dude. Quentin Beck being a decent dude. And then being like, cool. Now that he's giving me these glasses. Yeah, here's a cheers. I, I want him over because he did a wonderful job. And that's a good that's a good segue because let's end up talking about the after credit moment. We're talking about the MCU sort of some future sort of speculation. And I know uh, Kyle already kind of brought it up of the two sort of in credit sequences that we talked about. Um, one being uh, potential sort of reveal of Spider Man is, and so the other one was actually a little bit more confusing for everybody. A lot of people online, at least, at least for me, I know I I felt like I saw it. Before, and I was like, hmm, I felt like we were we've been here before. So I'll let uh, I'm gonna I'll start with kind of Mocha, kind of bringing it off first. And Mocha, talk to us about the uh, second sort of post trailer sort of sequence that we got into Spider Man. Uh, yeah, so we get the reveal that um, that the characters that we think are uh, Nick are Nick Fury and Maria Hill are actually scrolls in disguise, and they're reporting back to somebody. And it turns out to be Nick Fury, the actual Nick Fury, who's chilling in Tahiti. Um, but they're actually, not just scrolls, though. It's Talos and his wife. It is Ta- Talos and his wife, absolutely. <laughs> um, but specifically, they give out to Nick Fury, who, uh, upon like with a quick pen, we learn is on some sort of space station out in space with a whole bunch of scrolls operating underneath him. And I am so insanely out of my mind excited because for the longest time, I've been waiting for the introduction of sword to the MCU. Yes. And this is a hundred percent it. And I can't wait uh, for the, for the uninitiated at home sword is a branch of shield. Uh, and it stands for the sentient world observation and response department. And uh, they operate off of this uh, orbiting space station called the peak, at least in the comics, it orbits the earth and access the outward eye looking out into space and dealing with any interstellar threats while shield remains on the ground on earth, dealing with all of the uh, earthbound threats. It seemed like in this movie, though, that Nick Fury was doing his thing from way further out in space than just Earth's orbit. Um, And I'm really excited because not only does it mean that as soon as Nick Fury came back uh, from the... Or after they finished defeating uh, Thanos and Nick Fury and Carol Danvers were able to reconnect, she just immediately scooped them up and took him into space with her to just like hang out and be buds in space. And that's just a cool idea to me. (laughs) Um, But also, it is fucking horrifying that Nick Fury is out there floating in space somewhere, commanding an army of shapeshifters acting as intergalactic spies. That is the a terrifying ultimate spy. Oh, yeah. so I just read this because I'm on the, uh, the Spider-Man IMDB page right now. Apparently in Captain Marvel, one of the things he says about himself is that he hates diagonally cut sandwiches. This is just how <laughs> mind blowing this, these films are in an age of Ultron. Nick Fury is seen eating a diagonally cut sandwich. So it's like they laid the breadcrumb for that way earlier in the franchise than we could ever imagine. Um, Yeah, Mocha, I'm right there with you. I mean, I got mad excited when I saw that spaceship because I was like, sword was the first thing that popped into my brain. That just means more Captain Marvel. It also means that we might get some other cool MCU characters going forward. And one character that this this uh, end credit scene can actually 
set up a whole movie on her own. I hope they do just a movie for her is Abigail Brandt. Yeah. And if you're looking for someone that will replace Nick Fury as this overseer of the Avengers and everything, Abigail Brand could be the perfect fit for that because Samuel Jackson, I'm sure he'll do a few more movies, but I'm sure he also is going to look at, Hey, I'm not as young as I used to be anymore. So like having some person prepped and ready to take over for Nick Fury would be awesome. And if we made a solo movie about that person to show a shield agent in space and dealing with extraterrestrial things and how would a human deal with these extraterrestrial things, I think she would be the perfect character for that. Yeah. It opens a door for a lot of really cool characters that make sense to show up in the MCU now that Marvel is very clearly heading into an intergalactic focus for Phase 3. I think that was the whole point of, of ending on, on what we believe to be uh, S.W.O.R.D. and the Peak Station was just saying, hey, this is the scope that we're dealing with from here on out. Shit's happening on Earth, but there's lots of stuff for us to look at out here. Um, but they're going to need more powerful cosmic-based characters coming out there. And not only will we get cool characters like Ab- Ab- Abigail Brand, but this also might result in us getting Alpha Flight. Um, and, like Carol leads Alpha Flight in a current version of, uh, of it from the, uh, from the comics. And one of the, the main members of it is Blue Marvel. And Blue Marvel is an awesome, if not a little bit underutilized uh, Marvel character uh, who is just <laughs> crazy powerful, super smart. He's kind of like Black Richard in space. Um, and uh, but yeah, yeah, so like I'm super excited for these characters for for this to open up a whole lot of potential for new characters in Marvel, and we need a lot of new poten- new characters to come in. Um, yeah, get Nova in there. Yeah, bring Nova in. Get uh, get Adam Warlock in there. Um, I mean, it's Adam like Warlock's it's like coming with Guardians Three. Yeah, yeah, but I'm sure they'll have some inter- interaction. Um, well, I hope so at least. But uh, yeah, Beta like, Ray Bill up in there. <laughs> Beta Ray Bill. He apparently exists. He was in Thor Three as a statue. Statue. Oh, well, yeah, we yeah, can no. bring the actual Beta Ray Bill in then, and have um, Bill Nye be this voice. Bill Nye, science guy. Oh, Bill Nye. No, I know. I'm saying Bill Nye can do the mocap. Well, Bill Nye no, I think Bill Nye should do the mocap and Bill Nye should do the voiceover. Ah, okay. Um, I think it should be neither, but okay. It should be Bill the first neither. R-rated film in the Marvel Universe. But yeah, I'm just really looking forward to them exploring more of Cosmic, Cosmic Marvel. And it's like Tony said, in Endgame, uh, everyone else, they're old mules, but it's the fresh blood like Captain Marvel that, that we got to look forward to. And I hope that we just get more characters now that we have something like S.W.O.R.D. being set up. Can I, can I immediately contradict what you just said there? Uh, yes. Yes, I'm going to anyways. So I am immensely excited about what's to come, but for the exact opposite reasons. Like, I was pumped about that second, but the first one made, like, a bigger impact. So first of all, we got the true tease on, like, the classic Spider-Man swinging through New York City. Um, one quick thing on that. Did anyone catch the building he swings through like it's kind of like mm. an archway do you know yeah. what that was in the trailer it was formerly the avengers tower yeah it was under construction in the trailer and they changed the graphics for the re- finally released version which yep. i think is like fascinating there was, was a building on certain it? construction piece that I was hoping to touch on yeah so if literally you'll give, if you'll give me the segment yeah go ahead elaborate on it and then come back to me. Uh, 
the construction sign says uh, phase one, two, three, question mark. And then we're so excited to show you what's to come. <laughs> it's, yep. awesome. Yeah, it's that's so freaking that. And that's why I think Norman Osborn is going to show up once they actually do re-sign with Sony for another set of Spider-Man movies. Oh, you think that's going to be Oscorp? An Oscorp building? I think it's going to be Oscorp. I'm hoping well, I think it's, it's, either, it's either Oscorp or it's going to be Fantastic Four. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's 100% one of the two. I think it's going to be Oscorp. Interesting. Because it would make sense on why no one really knows. Eh, no, that works for either of them. But I think it makes more sense to to do Oscorp in Spider-Man. I'll be happy with any of them, but... What if, if it's just I, the X-Men mansion? <laughs> like a total twist. Yeah, it's just X-Tower. <laughs> Great it'll, Falcon it'll Lane just magically appears in Little Manhattan. <laughs> it'll be far more difficult for them to retcon X-Men as it will be to just forget any attempts at Fantastic Four and just build a new. I would rather them see, see them do with X-Men what happened to uh, the X-Mansion in the comic books uh, a couple years back, which was it got teleported into the middle of Central Park and got stuck there. And so now the X-Mansion is in the middle of Central Park. Um, I would rather see that. I'm okay that. with that, too. I think they should move out of New York. Just, like, put X-Mansion in, like, I don't know, Concord. All but Marvel like, characters <laughs> come from New York, dude. What? Accepted. All the best ones. Like, canon-wise... Fantastic Four had a skyscraper in Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah, the Baxter building. Hi, right, guys. We're looking yeah. uh, pretty yep. good here. To see. Yeah. Uh, what's, what's, what do we have? I got, uh, anything else you well, want to add? So I want to add... Credit? Can I... Yeah, so I want to add something about the after credit scene. So, hell yeah. Fuck it out. Get J.K. Simmons back. This dude became J. Jonah Jameson for me when I saw the first Raimi Spider-Man. And Stay. his voice work has been amazing. And I love that he's always gone back to that character because it shows that he cares about what he did for that character and what it means to people. And so what's so awesome about them getting JK back to be this new take on J. Jonah Jameson is not only is it informing on who J. Jonah Jameson is in the comics, but it takes from the video game, which I thought is really cool is that they're not just limiting themselves to this one version of Spider-Man stories to actually feed off of when it comes to making these movies that when you do swing through um, Manhattan as Spider-Man and the PlayStation four game, you're hearing all these nonsensical podcast uh, ramblings from a, um, Alex Jones type of J. Jonah Jameson as you swing through. And it's there are part of them are hilarious because he's doing these interviews with everyday New Yorkers asking them, do you hate Spider-Man and stuff like that? But also like his just uh, maniacal like accusations that he makes up about Spider-Man to try to turn people's uh, social perception of him against spider-man as well which is done just so well and i hope they continue where he plays a more prominent role in the next spider-man movie and one thing i will just add to that is for just a little bit of speculation who i would like to see come in into the next spider-man movie is let's not do Otto octavius but 
I'd love for them to actually look at into the Spider-Verse and bring in Octavia Octavius and have her be the Doc Ock in, this, in the live-action MCU as well. I think that's a really cool design character, and I'd love to see how they actually make a live-action version of her. Yeah, so, yeah. Let me talk about who I want to bring into the next one. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. First of all, I think As that... As the camera moves to the darkness. The darkness. <laughs> um, I think that that would have been a cool reference to have the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent in the Czech Republic be uh, Sable of uh, what mm. Sable International because she had like the crazy Sable. Eastern European. It'd be kind of cool if it was like someone vaguely famous that shows up later. Um, but anyways, my person for the third one makes a lot of sense. Craven uh, the Hunter, who was rumored to be in, I believe, Black Panther and then like this Spider-Man movie before they announced Mysterio. Mysterio, excuse me. Um, Million. Yeah, yeah, that'd be an interesting one too. But like, I think Craven kind of fills out your Sinister Six as more of a classic villain. He makes sense with uh, on the hunt for Spider-Man. Also, I think it gives you a great opportunity to pair up two somewhat like characters. So Marvel, I didn't know this beforehand, but uh, I looked it up. Apparently Marvel has to lend an A-list character to every Spider-Man solo film. So that's Samuel L. Jackson in this one. That was Iron Man in the next one. My pick for this A-list character in the next one would be Black Panther. The reason Mm -hmm. is that Tony organized his team and black panther was on the team so you have to figure at least they got an hour or so in the airport hanging out together um getting to know each other getting to know how tony thinks about peter parker as a human being also my guess is that there was no cameras outside of the avengers facility when thanos was bombarding it so not many people saw that peter parker and spider-man was with the avengers Uh, except for the people that were there who obviously know he's a hero, not some villain that JJJ is like trying to make him out to be. Um, To me, Black Panther being one of the big ones that was at that battle. uh, To me, it'd be very interesting that if you saw that news break, the movie opens up with Nakia uh, or Nakia coming up to Black Panther being the, the espionage person and saying, Hey, one of our allies is in trouble and they immediately send a ship out for him because they know who, what he's about. They know he's a kid. They know he has, he's going to be way out of his league. If they're going John wick on him and the entirety of New York is looking after or looking for this kid. And so, and they know that they can effectively hide him. You do get a little bit of trouble in this because like I alluded to before, you somewhat share a narrative of kind of the end of, Civil War, beginning of Infinity War, where you're hiding Bucky because of, like, a misappropriated terrorist attack. Um, But you... But it, it does it does make a lot of sense where they have the resources, they have the technology, they have the society to be able to hide him away, tuck him away, and then try and prove his innocence. Also, that sets up a very... A very nice foil, and apparently Ryan Coogler really wanted Craven for the first Black Panther, which I wonder if that morphed into Andy Serkis's Claw, the more classic. It was his call. Yeah, yeah, that was probably the more classic villain, but um, and that makes a very cool approach where you have this master hunter going through yep. the ultimate jungle, you know, trying to find his 
Prey in Spider-Man, um, it'd be an interesting pair-up. It doesn't make any sense because on a... Like, I think Chadwick Boseman is probably too rich of a character and doesn't have as much stake in the overall narrative as someone like Tony Stark did. Um, but I think it'd be a very cool pairing, at least for, you know, a third of the movie. For our lasting thoughts, what we would say, will we recommend this movie? It sounds like everybody here will definitely recommend this movie. So if that's the case, it. what other movies would we tell everybody to check out before watching Spider-Man Far From Home? Rylan? Uh, yeah, so Spider-Man Far From Home, it quite possibly is my favorite film of the year so far. I loved every moment of it. Um, also, it's visually spectacular, just like any other MCU film. It doesn't get old seeing Spider-Man swing around, punch people in the face, do his aerobatics and everything. But also, one visual tool I really loved in this was they brought those Mysterio moments from the comic books to life where you see giant Mysterio rise up out of the ground and everything. So those moments were totally visually badass as well. Uh, another movie I would recommend seeing this, uh, go see Endgame. We're <laughs> 5 million away from beating Avatar. Just make it happen. And then after you're done seeing Endgame, go see Far From Home again. Just because it's utterly fantastic and a fun ride throughout. Absolutely. Uh, Blue, what you got? Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily know, but I just want to see more Spider-Man. I don't think I've left a film maybe Infinity War, but like I knew there was a trailer coming out for Endgame soon. I knew the cast of it. I knew the plot of of Endgame roughly. Like I I was excited, but like I know nothing about Spider-Man 3 and I just want it to be here right now. And I, I haven't felt that way in a movie since what Captain America with like the whole Avengers, like, Oh crap, they're actually going to do the fricking Avengers, you know? Um, yeah. It, I, brave statement, probably a top three solo film, Iron Man one winter soldier, and then probably far from home. Not in that order. When, uh, winter soldier is probably one. Not a solo film. No. Yeah, it was. I'd count civil war as not a solo film. There's a certain point where all these movies become mini ensembles, but I think the differentiating stage yeah, is that Winter Soldier, Soldier, I'll give you, but like Civil War, not at all. No, oh, yeah, I agree with you. Like, Winter Soldier <laughs> is definitely a solo film. Not, not my top five. Boca? Wow. Yeah. Um, just going to disregard any inflammatory comments. Um, you know, as a final thought, this, I'm continually impressed by, by the care and the effort that the MCU is putting into developing Peter Parker's little corner of the Marvel Universe. Um, you know, he's developing slowly, but he's developing into a hero. And the lessons he learns, the way that people and events in his life teach those lessons to him is being handled sublimely. And I just can't wait to see what phase three is like with Peter officially taking the helm of as an Avenger. Um, as far as movies to go see, see every uh, Marvel movie that has uh, Robert Downey Jr. in it, as well as the best Marvel movie, Captain America. Actually, no, don't see Winter Soldier, but instead just see Civil War. And Avengers 1 through 4 and Spider Man Homecoming, and then you should be good. <laughs> Just a couple of things I can do on the weekend. Kyle, what you got? It's already been spoken. Like, there's no way of seeing this movie without seeing plenty of the other movies in the MCU. There's no way um, it builds off too much that's already been built. 
However, it does explore Spider-Man finally becoming his own hero. Like I said, like before that, I my my one problem with it was that it's always it's always Tony Stark's problems that Peter Parker's cleaning up. But what it does establish by the end of it is the opposite of Tony Stark's problem versus Tony Stark saying, I am Iron Man. Bring it on. Peter Parker's not ready for what's being thrown at him. And now Peter Parker has J. Jonah Jameson fucking exposing him and he has to deal with that. And he finally had, like he has MJ. However, now she's a liability. So is Aunt May. So is Happy. So is everything. And so this opens up a whole new world that we haven't seen in Spider-Man before. I've seen one trilogy of Spider-Man, and I've seen two-thirds of a trilogy of Spider-Man, and none of this has been explored before. So I see a new world for Spider-Man where he has to deal with not his own hubris. He has to deal with being exposed against his own will, living under the shadow of a tech giant superhero who died for the rest of us who saw potential in him. And so that's a new thing. He doesn't have like, we haven't even talked about that Ben Parker yeah, doesn't exist for him in this universe. Besides BFP being on his suitcase when he closes it. That's the only yeah. reference. That was Other awesome. than that, the uncle protege has been replaced by Tony Stark. That's his uncle. I think it's pretty cool. That he's lost. And the whole the whole trope still remains. The great power comes great responsibility. This is a new world, though. This is a new way to explore it without retrailing, retreading what we've already seen twice. And I think that's a new world, and I think that's very exciting. And I'm very, very excited to see like how Peter deals with this new world. Yeah, I definitely have to echo what everybody said. Um, I I think the one thing that excited me was they actually started bringing up and talked a little bit about Peter Peter Tingle a little bit, but his spider sense was slowly kind of forming. So it's nice to see that he's still developing more of these powers that we know Spider Man has, especially when it seems like it. What happens when you're kind of too stressed? You have too much shit going on. You just have to kind of calm down and kind of trust your inner voice, and trust yourself. Kind of like a Toy Story Four moment there. Um, so yeah, I, definitely I mean, enjoyed it was a great callback to the Spider-Man story, Spider-Man No More, and Raimi's Spider-Man Two. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Um, I would say again, everybody just watch everything. I don't know why you have to like pick and choose. Watch every Marvel movie because it's wrong, except for Thor Two. That's trash. Yep. Um, so watch every movie and except incredible. for Thor 2. You watch your mouth. <laughs> um, watch it all, but definitely go check out Endgame before you watch it because they will definitely spoil Endgame for you. That's a, like up front. They're going to spoil Endgame probably the opening moment. Of so that should be kind of fun. Unless you love Getty Images. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I love getting images. And with that... We are the Downer Front Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks so much for joining the beautiful Brylin. Where can people find more of your work on the internet? 
Uh, you can find me reprogramming Russian bots to send salacious responses to all of Mocha's uh, Mysterio fanfic on Twitter at Bryland, B-R-I-L-U-N-D. <laughs> you can also find me posting many movie and TV reviews on Instagram at I am Brylan. I recently put one up for hyper hard-boiled gourmet review. Uh, did you just come up with that with off the top of the dome? Because that was pretty good. I did. You're much better than Mocha. Uh, I've never stopped being the smartest person in the room. You never Never feel feel bad about that. (laughs) I won't feel bad about it. Blue, where can people find more of your work? What you got coming up for us? Uh, You can find most of us at uh, My News Music or My News Band on some major platforms. Uh, Check us out on things. We're trying to really get to $4.20 after making $0.69 in our first quarter. Nice. Uh, for streaming revenue so you know just trying to hit all the memes so we can post that on social media to make more memes uh also uh you could just go to uh our website uh it's about us doing magic called jesse rand is mysterio uh com it's just jesse in a cape uh doing magic tricks for children just a cape just no, no, I'm no, 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 no. He's wearing okay. at least underwear. I have okay. no Where idea what people find more of your work. <laughs> what was that one? Boca, where can people find more of your work on the internet? Yes, well, you can find pictures of me in the street at night hanging upside down with my web shooter exposed on Twitter at Mocha Mike LI. Uh, as the Lord intended. Unfortunately, you cannot find me at Mocha Mike. The person who owns that username tried LSD for the first time and started hallucinating and walked in front of a train. So unfortunately, that name's gone. Um, but you can also find me on Instagram at Mocha Mike, where I post more about <laughs> photography work, um, as well as on medium.com, where I used to write blog articles about the movies we talk about here. I wasn't aware. I'm sorry to derail. That was such a dark, dark turn. He was. Uh, Kyle, what, uh, where can people find more of your work on the internet and uh, do some more sort of uh, plugs for your band? Uh, all right. I can be found in my Twitter uh, at Kyle Kowalski and my band can be found Actor Observer is at Actor Observer on Instagram, Twitter, and then Facebook. You just look up Actor Observer. Uh, I can be found in any of those mediums. We are signed to No Sleep Records. We are Currently, just hanging out for the summer. We just did a summer tour, but we're going to look into doing a fall tour, maybe a spring tour. We'll be on the road again shortly, hitting the East Coast, probably all the way down to Florida, if everything pans out as it should. In any case, thank you guys for listening, and I appreciate you. For sure. Check out more of our work at downinfrontpodcast.com where you're going to find our video teasers. You'll find all of our information for our friends with Blend sort of information there. We have our fear bonus information. We have a bunch of different links. And we have our personal bio, so that would be great. Definitely go check that out. We're going to be on Facebook, facebook.com slash downinfrontpodcast. We're on Twitter at underscore DIFP. If you like what we do, you want to sign up for us, uh, patreon.com slash downinfrontpodcast. We're working on getting some more bonus content they actually have a full review coming up uh, hopefully soon so we're definitely kind of excited and kind of pumped about that uh and then we do have so much information on there we have reddit we have YouTube, so anywhere you can kind of find us definitely rate us there. definitely subscribe us on 
iTunes, that would be helpful. Uh, Bradley, what's our next review? Our next review will be Stuber. Stuber. <laughs> <laughs> People will come to see you excited about that. Hey, you use that in a I sentence. Love hey, Batiste has last match at WrestleMania. Give him what he wants. That's <laughs> pretty dope. I think he's a he's really he's really kind of showed a lot, man. He can act. I, I like him. Hey, you want to? I was to say, you want to fuck with Drax? You can't even see him. He moves too slowly. He's mad. He's master the art of moving so slowly. Uh, thanks, everybody, <laughs> and have a good night. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Hey, DM me, Jake. Good night, guys.